Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com in association as always with www.oleole.com, the football community website. Uh, It's been a couple of weeks since the last Arscast. Since then, I've flown to America and back, uh, which was good. Well, not the flying part. Flying part was actually a bit crap. I, I don't like flying. I hate flying. I hate it, I have to say. Going out was, was all right, but on the way back, we were sitting uh, on the, uh, on the uh, runway, not on the runway, in the parking bit before you take off, and and the pilot came on, and we were delayed about 15 minutes. He said, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, there's a small delay, uh, which was fine. I can can deal with delays. He said, we've got a problem with the second auxiliary power unit. And I thought, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear whether you have a problem with the second auxiliary power unit or not. I don't care that we're delayed. I do care that there's a problem with the power unit. And he said, you know, I will be taking off in about 15 minutes. About 15 minutes later, he comes back on. We still hadn't moved. He's saying, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just to fill you in on the problem, we've had to uh, readjust our, our flight path uh, because of the uh, the small problem that we have. There's no need to worry about the problem. It's nothing serious at all. Uh, but we have to um, make a more northerly flight path. We're just waiting for that flight path to be approved. It's just that the uh, the plane is, is not fit to fly over the sea for for any great periods. What? We're not fit... Th- what? You fucking mad bastard. Yeah, seriously. And then he says, and when we're taking off, it might sound a little unusual. It's just we've got to fire up one of the engines as as we're going along. And I'm thinking, you know, f- um, fuck this, really. You know, I don't really care why we're delayed. If we're delayed, we're delayed. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to tell me why. Make something up. Just say, you know, there's um, too many planes in front of us or the traffic is bad or something. Don't tell me something about fucking power boxes not working and and the plane not being fit to fly over the sea. This is, you see, this way we have to fly over Greenland and Iceland. Nigga, what the fuck? What, you know, what happens? Are you going to land in a glacier instead of on the fucking ocean? So that was that. Was that. that was the flying part of things. Um, then, uh, yeah, went to the uh, King's Head. In Santa Monica, in Los Angeles, to watch the uh, the first part uh, of the Arsenal Liverpool trilogy, which was uh, great because there were loads of uh, Ars blog readers there. So hello to all of you, uh, and loads more Arsenal fans than Liverpool fans, which was great. Maybe Liverpool fans just can't afford to, you know, get, get across the Atlantic now that the the uh, the the famine is over and and stuff. But anyway, it was good. One guy came all the way from San Diego, so um, thank you very much, and uh, it was great to see everyone. Uh, the game was enjoyable. The pints were enjoyable. Uh, strange watching football at that time of the day, I have to say. It was a bit odd. 
a bit odd, but uh, I suppose you get used to it if you're there for, for a long period of time. Got back here last Saturday to watch the league game, and that was kind of painful, I have to say, because I didn't really sleep on the plane on the way back. So, you know, anxious was I that, that we weren't flying over icebergs or the sea or power units and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I uh, came back here and, and watched that game, and, and that was kind of depressing. That was a bit of a painful game, and, and the uh, the performance wasn't particularly brilliant, and the team selection left a little to be desired, I, I thought. And then, of course, we had the game on, on Tuesday night, which um, I suppose we'll come to a bit later on, will we? Uh, because I haven't told you yet what's uh, what's on this uh, Irscast. Well, what's coming up between now and the end of of the show is uh, a chat with Gilberto Silver from from Gunnerblog dot com, uh, in which we talk about uh, actually the the game on Tuesday night, the the penalty incidents, and and look ahead to the game on Sunday at Old Trafford, as well as talking about some other bits and pieces. Uh, Bouet is here, the man in the bar is here, and a few other uh, yokes as well. So now I suppose now I'll go back to the game on Tuesday night, and it was um, painful. Painful, painful, I have to say. I was watching with the Mug Smasher, and, and in fairness, he was very gracious uh, in defeat, even though I think he threw the remote control um, at the window when, when Theo Walcott set up Adebayor for that goal. He did. Thankfully, the curtains were closed and no glass was smashed. Um, I felt like throwing things through the window about 30 seconds later when the ref gave uh, that penalty. That I don't think was a penalty. I said it on the blog. I said both those referees were cunts. Yes, indeed, they are. Both cunts. I'm sorry. They're off my Christmas card list from now on, I can tell you that much. Now, I'm not suggesting for one second that it's entirely down to the referees that we went out of Europe. That would be wrong. However, it would not be unfair to suggest that both of those gentlemen had a very large impact on the result of the overall tie. Alex Slab should have been given a penalty in the first leg, uh, and we didn't get it for whatever reason. I think it's because, as I am, um, as I said earlier, that that he's a cunt, uh, the ref. That is, yeah, yeah. And then the referee on Tuesday night who gave a very, very generous penalty to to Liverpool, irrespective of our naive defending or inexperience or whatever. I don't think I don't buy that inexperience thing at all. That's something we'll we'll come back to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't a penalty, was it? Wasn't. Would, would Liverpool have been given that at the, at the Grove? No. Were Liverpool given it right in front of the cop because everyone went screaming? Yes, they were. And, uh, we all know what happened from there. And it was a pain in the fucking arse, to be perfectly honest. But that's football and football can be a cruel mistress at times. She really can. She's a she. She's, if football is a she and she's a mistress, it's nights like this where you, Slip a hand under the skirt and discover a great big pair of balls, if that makes any sense. I'm sure it makes sense to some of you. I'm just, you know, inventing stuff here. Uh, right, I, I suppose um, while we're on the subject, we might as well go talk to um, Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog uh, about uh, Tuesday night and about Sunday to come. Uh, hello, Gilberto Silver. Hello. Uh, midweek defeat, Champions League exit to Liverpool. Um, how high up on the pain scale did did that rank for you uh pretty high pretty high i was very jealous of a friend of mine who told me that uh when basically they were watching on a, on a stream and that their stream cut out just after torres had scored so they they sort of assumed that we had lost and never had that sort of 30 to 60 second period where it looked like we were going through it was really that that really stuck in the heart and made it horrible that 
it looked just for that brief flicker like we'd actually done it and then uh, it all dissolved in front of our eyes it was it was uh, Wayne Bridge esque, wasn't it? In terms of the in terms of that moment, because uh, they've been showing replays of the of the Theo Walcott uh, run and then Adi Bayor's goal and all those celebrations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it just seemed to sort of come back just as as Babel was going into the box. And um, to me, initially, it looked like he wasn't giving a penalty. I thought he'd booked Babel for uh, for diving. Um, what did you make of the penalty incident? And obviously, in light of the in light of the one that wasn't given at the Grove last week, uh, it's difficult. I mean, obviously, uh, I think we're both pretty biased on this one. But even trying to be as objective as I can, I don't think it was a penalty. Um, you know, I sort of think if if that's a penalty, then pretty much any contact, any physical contact in the box can be rewarded with a penalty. Mm. And uh, I think that that's not somewhere that we want you know, the game to go. I think that, that there was a massive difference with the Dirk Cow incident, which was that Cow clearly put his arm across Torrey and pulled on the shirt. It was visible to everybody, including the TV cameras, and you'd think the referee. But uh, with, with Babel and Torrey, it just seemed not even a collision, just sort of a crossing of paths, a vague sort of brushing and I, uh, I think that's worrying if that, you know, if that denotes penalty now. Uh, telling, I suppose, that the, the first referee, uh, apparently, according to reports I read on tribal football, and we know how, how uh, uh, telling that's a source that is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, he said he got it wrong, but uh, looking this morning, um, the referee from Wednesday night says, no, 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 it, it was definitely a penalty. Obviously, uh, the mug smasher is a, is a Liverpool fan, and, and he thought it was a bit generous, but could see why it was given. Um, can you? Uh, I can see why, and I can see, I can see why, but I don't think all of those reasons are, are pure football reasons. Mm. I, like I said um, in my blog, I don't. I'm not convinced that we would have been awarded that penalty at Anfield. Um, I'm not even convinced that Liverpool would have been awarded it at the other end. Uh, it really was sort of one of those situations whereby I felt that the moment and the atmosphere did play a part. And uh, that sort of gutting. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really want to make an excuse and say, oh, well, it's the referee's fault. You know, we've we've been robbed. But, uh, you know, there are errors that we made that should not have happened and we should have progressed anyway. But it is a real kick in the teeth, especially in light of the first incident. Mm, OK, we should focus maybe on a positive then. And, and Theo Walcott... Uh produce the sort of run and, and pass that, that announces a, a player to the world of football. Champions League quarterfinal, last few minutes of the game, you need somebody to do something, uh, and he did something. It was spectacular. Can we now um, uh, hope that Theo Walcott starts some games ahead of, and I don't want to be accused of a Bouet bashing or, or anything like it, but we can see the difference. Well, I can see the difference. Theo comes on. He offers a goal threat, an assist threat. Uh, he's direct. He's pacey. He's all the things that, that a Bouet isn't. Is it time now for the manager to put some faith in, in Theo? Well, I think so. I, mean, I think it's a difficult one. I think, you know, he was on for 20 minutes on Wednesday night and produced that, which is quite remarkable. But I think, you know, being on for 90 minutes doesn't mean that he'll do that four and a half times. It's... It's not quite as simple as that. I I see that Walcott is a superior player to Bouvet, 
But I do understand the manager's caution to throw him in from the start. I think he does tend to be a different player coming on as a substitute. And that is something that we have seen down the years of certain players, that they can have a real impact in that last 20 minutes of games. If Walcott can translate that to a full, you know, a full game, then we really have got a hell of a player on our hands. I would suggest that you know, with the season sort of potentially fizzling out, now is the time to see if he can produce that kind of form from the start. Whether or not that starts as soon as Old Trafford on Sunday, I'm not sure. I'm not confident that Walcott will start at Old Trafford. Okay, and who would you play instead of Walcott? Because we saw, obviously, the options are are limited up front. Van Persie came on and looked like he had, you know, uh, been out for a date with Florence Nightingale. The amount of bandages he had wrapped around his his thighs. So, obviously, he's struggling. Um, Obviously, it's Robin Van Persie struggling with fitness. Uh, That means Sleb may play uh, behind Adi Bayor, which means, again, you're looking at Abue on the right-hand side. And and I'm kind of tired of Abue just from the point of view that he really offers nothing. Maybe he tries, but he doesn't actually offer anything. And I take your point about Theo as well, that maybe coming on against tighter legs, he can have more of an impact. But I think what he did on on Tuesday night was uh, you have to stand up and take notice of that and say, OK, well, this is a guy that's ready to do it in big games. No, I do agree with that. And I, I would pick Walcott over Abue uh, every week. Um I'm just not convinced. Well, the evidence thus far is just that Wenger certainly does not feel that way. Uh, And I'm not sure that he will change that before such a big game. I can't see him, strangely, considering he's facing young players, I can't see him throwing Walcott in at Old Trafford. Um, But one point that you do make is that if Van Persie doesn't start, we are very, very light on the flanks for Sunday because if Fled moves up front, DRB suspended. Rosicki is, of course, injured. So it may be that Walcott, it may be that Walcott has to start on the left anyhow. Mm. Uh, I think Abue is a really funny one. You know, I think he has had a really hard time this season. Uh, you know, he's not performed. He hasn't really found any form. And I, I'm someone who thought that the Abue on in midfield experiment really might work. I could see why Wenger thought it was a good idea, especially with Sandia coming in at right back. But a season on, it doesn't look like it's going to be something worth pursuing. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Based purely on the return that Abu has given us um, in terms of uh, in terms of goals and assists. Um, yeah, yeah, it is one of the areas that that I think every Arsenal fan uh, wants us to sign somebody is is a winger, and and we've been down this road countless times. Uh, Possibly, though, we should look at the fact that we've played 53 games this season to date. We've scored 102 or possibly 103 goals. So we're almost scoring two goals a game on average. The difficulty, as I see it, is that we are soft in the center. We're liable to concede silly goals, soft goals, uh, generally through the, the center of our defense. Um. Colo and Gallas, this is something we've spoken about before, aren't necessarily the best partnership. Senderos didn't have a good game against uh, against Liverpool the other night. He is prone to making mistakes. Is it time for the manager to make a decision um, about uh, centre-half this season? Does he need to bring in a big, strong centre-half to play alongside either Colo or Gallas? Uh, because both of them seem to work better with a Senderos-style defender. Uh, alongside them, if you get my point, um, yeah. and which 
of Colo or Gallus does he then decide to uh, to relegate to third choice? That's a really difficult one because when you look at the back four, our first choice back four, they're they're all great. Uh, I think they're all good players. You know, very good players. Clichy, Gallus, Torre, Sanya, and. Um, for whatever reason, it doesn't function. Now, if it is because, as you were saying, the centre-backs are not ideal partners, then I agree one of them has to go. The thing is that having made Gallas captain, I I don't think there's any... I can't see him being dropped, can you? No, I can't. I would I would prefer, I have to say, if it were Gallas than Colo. Mm. Um, mm. From the point of view that I, I think... Uh, Wenger uh, made Gallas captain sort of as an, an experiment to give him the leadership to, to see could he take it on and I'm not sure that it's an experiment that, that has worked um, Colo is 26 years of age he's not had the best season but we know Colo's character and we know uh, what he's done for us in the past I would be inclined to, to make it Gallas but I think like you say because because Wenger made him captain it, it becomes almost not just a demotion in terms of in terms of uh, playing of the first eleven, but it becomes something more than that because he's he's the captain of the club. Yeah, I mean, I think Gallas has, um, if I'm right, another year uh, on his his deal he signed when he when he joined. Mm. Um, I I think that I, I I can't I don't know if that will be extended. He may you know I sort of expect him to disappear off on a free maybe at the end of that. I always have done, but I can't really see him leaving this summer, especially. You know, at a time when our squad is so light on experienced players, whether it's right or not to make him captain. But also, I cannot see Wenger taking the captaincy off him. You know, there were times when Henri's captaincy was criticised, but you would never have conceived of Henri having the armband removed from him. And mm. I, I don't think it will be the same with Gallas. I don't think Gallas will play at left-back or right-back because I think Sanya and Clichy are far superior in those positions. So I think... Um, much as I, like you, would like to see, you know, as an Arsenal fan, I'd prefer to see Torre. I feel a much greater affiliation for him, and I feel that we've seen what he can do alongside, you know, Sol Campbell. You know, he went unbeaten for a season. He's not he's not a, a poor defender, as some of his recent critics have suggested. He's an excellent player who is out of form and exhausted and playing in a system that doesn't really suit him. If we could find, you know... Uh, someone similar to Campbell in his peak, or you know, sender or style defender, as you say. Then Torre, I think, is an ideal partner. Um, nobody springs to mind, as is always the case. But Wenger mm. has such a sort of wide scouting range. You'd think if he if he really wanted one of those players, he'd be able to pick one up. Mm, exactly. Oh well, that's something for the summer, I suppose. Um, let's look ahead briefly then to. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. To Sunday, uh, improbable as it sounds, uh, a win would put us within three points of Manchester United, and then who knows what will happen. Um, can we get a win? Well, we can. I mean, uh, we always can, but it doesn't feel like a win going into it. It doesn't feel like a game we're going to win. I mean, the squad are very low. I've seen Gallus' quotes this morning uh, in typical, you know, captain inspirational style (laughs) saying how low morale is and how, you know, the season is over, Uh, which is a shame because, you know, like you say, a win, suddenly we've got something to play for. I just feel like the way things have gone the last 12 games or whatever it is, has really battered the squad into sort of submission. And I feel quite sorry for the players at the moment, the way it's run for them. And uh, I think that they may feel sorry for themselves, and I can't see that that's going to be an attitude that's going to produce a victory at Old Trafford. But there's always a chance, and I, I hope the players can be up for it on Sunday because... Whatever happens, even if it, even if we don't win, even if we get a creditable draw, I think it would be, you know, uh, another bad result would just really be hard to take at this moment. Hmm. I know where you're coming from. I know where you're coming from. All right, we'll we'll leave it there and and keep our our fingers crossed for for Sunday. Thanks very much, Gilberto Silver. Cheers. Thank you very much to Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com for taking the time to talk to the Arscast this week. He'll be back on an Arscast sometime in the future. Now, the the whole question of of inexperience costing us in the Champions League, um, I accept the fact that we're a young team, and we are a young team, but we're not inexperienced. I think there's a difference between the two. And it was William Gallus that said, inexperience cost us. I don't think so. Uh, From the time you start playing football, or if you've never played football, from the time you start watching football, you know that when you score, the next two or three minutes are generally uh, the minutes where you have to be uh, most, as Arsene would say, concentrated. And by that, I don't mean squeezed into a very small space. I mean, you've you've got to concentrate and make sure that, that you don't concede one straight away. It happened to us twice. Uh, in the uh, Champions League against Liverpool. Three minutes after we scored at the Grove, uh, Dirk Kout scored. And just seconds after we equalized and went ahead on, on away goals, they got their penalty. Both of those times, you could say that uh, the one of the players involved was Colo Toure, who is, at 26 years of age, probably the most experienced outfield player, uh, apart from William Gallas. Uh, he, he was involved, well, I mean, he sort of... Uh, didn't really do much uh, by way of a tackle for, for Gerrard in the first leg. Now, I know he couldn't go near him too, but he was involved. He was involved. Uh, and he was involved, obviously, in the penalty decision. And we know it wasn't a penalty, but he was there. So I, I think it's unfair to say that we're inexperienced. Sesk is only 20, uh, but he's played, I think, coming up on 200 games for Arsenal already at, at 20 years of age. Leb is 26. Toure, we said, is, is uh, 26. Gallas, we know he's he's been around the block a bit. Clichy's played lots of first team games. Sandros has played lots of first team games. Flamini has as well. Uh, Adi Bayor is twenty four years of age. We had Van Persie on at the end, so I don't think inexperience is is to blame here. I think uh, to blame uh, maybe other other players on the pitch. And I thought it was um 
I, I didn't really get why Gallus was, was doing that. And it just strikes me that Gallus is the kind of guy that likes to point fingers without necessarily accepting any of the responsibility himself. Um, he talks about inexperience, and that's, that's just too easy. That's a bit of a, a lazy excuse. You don't need to point finger. You don't need to blame somebody. You just need to say, okay, we made mistakes. We've still got something to play for this season. We're going to do our best. We're going to focus on that. When instead the comments were about how morale is low, it's going to be hard to pick ourselves up, and, and it's a bit tiresome. It's a bit tiresome. I, I'm, as you heard in the uh, in the interview with, with Gilberto Silva, of, of the opinion that the Gallus experiment uh, isn't necessarily a success. Yes, he's been better this season than he has been last season. We, we always said, didn't we, really, that, that a, a true measure of his captaincy would be when the chips are down. And the chips have been down since Birmingham, and really, uh, he hasn't been in any way inspirational. Now, I'm not saying that it's entirely down to him or it, it should be entirely his job to lift the team, but it, it, he does have a role to play in that. And a, a proper captain, a Tony Adams, wouldn't even consider giving in or saying we're all feeling very low or it's going to be hard to pick ourselves up until it was all done and dusted because that, you know, that just wouldn't be the way to do it. It would be showing weakness. But Gallus, I know, you know, people say he's being honest, he's being this, that, and the other. But, you know, he needs to uh, adjust the way he behaves uh, because he's a captain now. And he's not just thinking about himself, or maybe he is just thinking about himself. He's not not capable of, of looking beyond uh, what's most important to him. So I, I don't really know where I'm, I'm kind of going with this. But just I'm uneasy, I should say, uh, about Gallus and the captaincy and, and indeed uh, his role in the team come come next season. I think it's going to be an awkward thing for, for Arsene Wenger to, to deal with. But that's something for the manager. Anyway, all right. Um, we'll move on uh, and go to the bar where the man in the bar is is doing his thing. Oh, there you are again, Arse Bloggy. Missed you last week, I have to say. In a, in a, in a sort of... Yeah, I don't know what to be doing with myself when you come into the bar and record me kind of way. Not any other kind of sort of missing another man type way. Just so you know, don't be getting any ideas. I know you're kind. It wasn't a good place to be this week, the bar. We were all very despondent. Apart from old Liverpool Larry, who, as you know, is a complete and utter paedophile murdering rapist, hubcap stealing bastard. Well, that's a lie, in fairness. I've never seen him steal any hubcaps. I couldn't believe it. The penalty. Where did he get the penalty from? Dragged it out of his arse, so he did. There are people that might suggest that there's a conspiracy going on. Perhaps the Americans that own Liverpool now have paid some money to make sure their investment goes up in price before they can sell it off to a whole load of Arabs. Think about it for a second now. Look at all the good luck that they had in the game against Inter Milan. What's his old face? The Zidane bashing fella got sent off after about half an hour in the first leg for, for nothing much. And the same old thing in the second leg. Then at Arsenal, Alex Slade should have had a penalty and Steven Gerrard and also Dirk Couch should have been sent off for being cunts. And then in the second leg, Arsenal get back into it after a wonder goal. An old referee there, he gets the signal in his earpiece, doesn't he? You can't let this happen, it says. Don't let it happen. We'll kill your family if it happens. So he gives Liverpool a penalty for nothing. For nothing. 
At that stage here in Liverpool, Larry was jumping up and down the bar like a fucking loon. I was saying nothing just in case he missed it, you know. Because you can't be tempting fate, I thought. That cunt's jumping up and down, now he's going to miss the penalty, and that'll be sweet, sweet justice. But it didn't happen. And then they scored another goal to make it 4-2, and then everyone says, Well, sure, they scored the fourth goal. What difference does a penalty make now, anyway? Well, the point is, you fucking spastics, is that we wouldn't have had all our men upfield, would we? We were fucking too old, you stupid fucking cunts. So out we go, and the UEFA Champions League is adorned with the wonderful semi-final of Liverpool versus Chelsea, which is kind of like somebody giving you a pint glass full of the puss oozing out of a sore on a syphilitic cock, or giving you a cake which has been iced with the melted scabs from Amy Winehouse's face. So as you can see, the real winner here is football. Now if you'll excuse me, I better get on with the old player history. This week we're... You what? No time? Oh, sorry about that then. Uh, We got a bit ranty, I suppose. Um, well, um, something, 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 something. Uh, It's true. So it is. More from the man in the bar on next week's Arscast. He sounds angry this week, but not as angry as Jens Lehmann. Jens is particularly disgruntled. Uh, Having not played uh, against Liverpool, uh, he thought the Champions League exit, personally, it is a tragedy, since I did not have a chance to prevent it. He said, I wanted to win the Champions League, and I thought I had a good chance of playing. The fact that I won't now get that chance makes me furious. Hmm... He's furious, Jens, if you if you hadn't noticed. Uh, he, he, he doesn't really rate Almunia either. He says, when I'm not playing, even though the other keeper is not exactly playing well, then it's difficult. He says, I haven't been given my place back and I'm being kept out by someone who is playing his first season at a big club. To be sitting on the bench behind somebody who only started to play when he was 30 is not funny. I am very angry, he said. Uh, just in case we didn't quite get that when... You know, he said that he was furious earlier. So he's he's angry and furious. I think he's being a bit childish, though. Um, uh, Almunia is not playing badly. Almunia didn't cost us points this season. Almunia hasn't made big mistakes. The fact that he's 30 and only playing his first season at a big club is irrelevant. If Almunia was making shockers or, you know, what have you, I would understand where Jens is coming from. I absolutely would. And I know keepers, they, 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 they're confident beasts and uh, they think they're brilliant. And Jens, probably more than most, uh, thinks he's more brilliant than all the rest of them. Um, but, you know, he has to be realistic about this. Almunia has come in, done well all season. Um, why would the manager drop him for somebody who didn't necessarily do very well when, when, when he played? So, uh, yeah, there's Jens. So um, the chances of him staying with us next season, slim as they were, are now absolutely um, none, I would imagine. Uh, and, and who knows what he'll do. Whatever he does, good luck to him. You know, he's a character. We we, we sort of uh, spoke about him when he was our keeper and, and doing mad things, and we loved him. And, and I think we just had to accept the fact that he's mad to everyone. So, you know, love affair has soured a little bit, but I wish him luck wherever he goes. Ahead of uh, Sunday's game against... Manchester United, uh, injury news is mixed. Robin Van Persie should be fit and should be fit to start, uh, which is important. Uh, but bad news is that Matthew Flamini is out for three weeks with an ankle injury. It looked to me like Gerard trod on the back of his Achilles. Uh, I, I can't say whether it was deliberate or not. I, I would like to think that it wasn't. I can't imagine it, it was deliberate, but uh, 
Flamini's going to be out for three weeks, and that is a big, big blow for Arsenal. He's been uh, arguably one of the best players of the season and has, has been uh, vital in making this team tick. Gilberto will come in, according to the manager. He will bring his experience, etc., etc. Uh, and the legs, they did look gone, in fairness, uh, earlier in the season. But he's done all right, you know, in the last few games. Uh, he played against uh, the Mug Smashers on uh, Saturday in the league. I thought he did uh, all right. And he did all right when he came on for uh, for Flamini on Tuesday night. Of course, he doesn't offer the same pace or dynamism as, as Flamini does. But uh, I suppose there could be uh, worse uh, replacements we could have out there. Now it's time to be at home with Emmanuel Abue. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my home. I am Abue. Abue like Hanna-Barbera cartoon character. Top three Abue Hanna-Barbera cartoon character. Number one, Yogi Bear. Abu, I always want the picnic basket. Number two. Penelope Pitstop. Abu, I do uncanny Penelope Pitstop impression. Help! Help! Abu, I told you it was uncanny. Number three, Abu, I Hanna-Barbera cartoon character. Snagglepuss, a boy like pink cats with bow ties. So much that a boy record concept album called Heavens to Murgatroyd is number one in Germany. You go, no, you exit stage left even. Tune in next week for more At Home with Ebue. Oh, baby. Uh, so uh, hopefully he can come in and do a job. Um, Sunday, what can we say? It's There's still all to play for. If we beat United, who knows what, what can happen? Seriously, I know it's improbable, given the, the form we're in and given the form they're in, the fact that they were able to rest players in midweek against uh, against Roma. It makes a victory all the more unlikely. But you just never know, do you? You just do not know in football. If we win this, we end up three points behind them. Three points behind them. They still have to play Chelsea. And, you know, who knows? Who knows? But let's not give up just yet. That would be like something a Spurs fan would do. Or or a giraffe. Giraffes strike me as the sort of animals that would give up very easily. But it's going to be a big game. It's going to be a big game. Obviously, if United win, they're going to really fancy their chances of going on and uh, and winning the league. And if they do win, then our chances are well and truly dead and buried. So let's give it one big last push, Arsenal boys, if you don't mind. I know the legs are tired, the heads are tired, the uh, the morale is low, everything's miserable. William Gallas's team talk will be, oh, I know, you, have to, you know, it's all over, lads, you know. Nothing we can do. Might as well just go out and, you know. But my team talk is get out there and kill them. This is Manchester United, for fuck's sake. We hate them. We want to kill them, kick them, possibly even bite them. But only when the referee is not looking and the TV cameras are pointing somewhere else. Seriously, this is one of the biggest games of the season. Irrespective of what's come beforehand, we've got to get ourselves back up on track uh, at some point. We have to start winning some games again soon, don't we? Don't we? Why, why, why not start with this one? There you go. 
that's it. Think positive. Light candles, sacrifice goats, all that, all that kind of stuff. I, I'm hopeful we can get some kind of result. Um, I'm not sure I'd, I'd exactly put all my wages on it, but, you know, something, perhaps a, a small percentage, a small stipend. Anyway, look, the, the, the final thing I want to say today is that, uh, of course, everybody is, is miserable after what's happened. We've gone out of Europe. We've let slip a five-point lead in the league, and everybody's focusing on all the negative things that are going on at the club at the moment, uh, how we need this player, that player, that other player, and his brother and their brother and the, and the whole lot. Uh, and we are rather, rather in danger of losing sight of the fact that for two-thirds of this season, we've all enjoyed it tremendously. We had great fun. We played great football. We were in great position in the league. We have definitely improved from last season. So while there is a post-mortem to be carried out once the season is over, uh, can we not wait? until the season is over, uh, to do that. Because I think it's a bit unfair to lose sight of of, uh, of the positive things and, and what the team and the players uh, have given us and the moments that we have enjoyed this season. So um, on that point, we'll leave it there and I'll talk to you on next week's Arscast. All right then, goodbye. You've got an important game coming up, but is your team strong enough? How can you be sure you're going to win? There's one way to make sure, and that's Dial-A-Ref. Dial-A-Ref is a great new service that puts you in touch with referees across Europe where you can line their back pockets and nobody will ever know it's you. But don't take our word for it. Listen to what our best customer has to say. For me, Dial-A-Ref is more valuable than Fernando Torres. So don't delay. Call Dial-A-Ref today on 1-800-HA-HA-HA-ARSENAL. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.